Good morning, everyone. How are you today? <laughs> I can wait. It's okay. How are you today? There you go. You're here. Wonderful. We're so excited to have you with us here in Calvary at church today. Would you welcome everybody watching on the digital <laughs> campus? Good morning. God bless you. There's people traveling, people still at home and stuff gathered together and things like that. So, hey, I thought Florida was supposed to be warm. What's going on around here? Like, we moved down here for warmth, everybody. I'm trying, my, Maria's mom and dad is with us for the next couple of months, and we're trying to convince them that it's the will of God for them to move here. So we all got to pull together. So if you see them, there are, you'll see them with Maria and I throughout the next couple of months. It's all of our job to secretly, don't tell them I'm saying this, to secretly convince them this is the will of God for them to move here, okay? We even bought them pink flamingos to put in front of their RV. So we're, we're trying to subliminally, but it's a secret. Don't let them know that it's this overt, okay? So don't, don't let them know that. Are you doing well? Did you have a good Christmas? Five of you, okay. Well, we'll try it again next year. That's okay. We are concluding our series, Christmas at the Movies. And today we're talking about It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, good. So you'll connect to the storyline. I'll read to you in just a moment kind of the synap synapsis of the story. But I want to talk to you briefly this morning. The Lord gave me a couple extra scriptures that I just want you to put in your notes and to grab your Bible. So can we get right into the Word of God? Is that okay? Get right into the scriptures, get your Bibles, get your notebooks. If you need a Bible or you need a notebook, we have Bibles provided in the center here or on the sides. Go grab a Bible. We want everyone to have a Bible. It's free. We want you to have it as a gift and also a notebook to start taking some notes. But the two scriptures that I really wanted to add to the message, so they won't be on the screens, I want you to write down Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and I also want you to write down Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. If I was to capture the entire message today in a couple of words, it would be the idea of purpose and value. Purpose and value. Sometimes throughout the holiday season, the enemy likes to isolate people. Maybe even now watching virtually, you haven't been around people in a long time. And there's a strategy in that of the enemy that we have to make sure you're aware of. I understand you have to be physically distanced and things like that, but we also have to be aware of the enemy's schemes, correct? It, that we are not ignorant to his schemes and devices and, and that sense of being isolated or alone. The devil can begin to talk to people and can begin to lie to people. And also, you, some of you may have been in crowds this last week. You may have gone to some Christmas parties. You may have had some family around. But the enemy can still get into your head and begin to lie to you, especially at the end of the year, moving into another one. There's these sometimes evaluations that we go through of what did we accomplish last year? What is my life worth? Do I have any purpose or meaning? And that's what today's really about. I want to really attack that mindset because that's what he was dealing with in the movie. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But let me start with these two verses just to lay a foundation that your life has purpose, your life has meaning. And even if you've gone through some stuff over the last year or a couple of years, that God will even take that stuff and he'll make things meaningful and purposeful. He can take pain and he can make some purpose come out of that pain, amen? He can use that to still advance the kingdom and give the devil a big black eye, amen? And so let's look here, Romans chapter eight, verse 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together 
for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I just felt really strongly as I was preparing for this weekend that I was supposed to speak over you that God has called you and that God has a purpose over your life. And it doesn't matter if you're surrounded by individuals right now, surrounded by a bunch of people applauding you. It's important that you and God are the majority over that conversation in your head. Amen? Amen. That you might be sitting at home right now alone. You might be isolated. As long as you're on this planet, God has a purpose for you on this planet. When it's time for you to go home, he knows how to get you home. Amen? Which means if you're still here, there's still purpose and a calling on your life. And even if this year has been challenging and tough, we know, we know that God knows how to cause all those things to work together for good. So whatever these setbacks may have been, they're only a set up into what God's about to bring into your life in 2021, amen. A lot of it's your expectation right now because if the devil can get you disagreeing with God, if he can get you to come out of agreement with God, he begin to isolate you, he can begin to lie to you, you begin believing the lies over your life rather than the truth of what God has said. You are called, you are called according to his purpose and whatever has happened, those things do not get to dictate the outcome. God will take those things and he'll create something marvelous, amen. So that was part of what we're talking about today. And then go to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. And then we'll get into the movie and we'll get into today's conversation. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So that we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. You are God's masterpiece. He's created you anew in Christ Jesus. And he has assignment for you. He has things that he has called you to do. That's why today is about purpose and value. Purpose and value. Again, if you go into the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, you're going to realize that George, who's the key figure in this movie, he lost sight that he had purpose and value. He thought his life was meaningless. He thought all of the stuff that happened in his life was meaningless. But even though he was going through all kinds of stuff, he didn't realize how much impact and value he was bringing to everyone around him. He began to believe a lie, and he got to the point where that lie drove him to try to end his own life. And that's what we're talking about today. We will not believe this lie. You have purpose. You have value. And no matter what you've walked through, God is going to take all of that stuff and he's going to make something great out of it. But you have to keep your hand in the hand of the Lord. Do not let go of his hand. Amen? Amen. So the movie, let's talk about a summary of It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey key figure there, George Bailey, spent his entire life giving himself to the people of Bedford Falls. He always longed to travel, but he never had the opportunity. He stayed home in order to prevent the rich and cruel Mr. Potter. Go boo, Mr. Potter. Do you remember those little shows where you'd say boo hiss when the villain would come out and then the hero would come out and you'd go, hey. From taking over the entire town, all that prevents him from doing so is George's modest building and loan company, which was founded by his generous father. But on Christmas Eve, George's uncle Billy, poor uncle Billy, 
He loses the business is $8,000, which in today's money would be $100,000. While intending to deposit it in the bank, Potter, go boo. <laughs> I'm going to have a good time with you whether you like it or not. You know what I mean? Potter finds the misplaced money and hides it from Billy. When the bank examiner discovers the shortage later that night, George realizes that he will be held responsible and sent to jail, and the company will collapse, finally allowing Potter <laughs> to take over the town. Thinking of, thinking of his wife and their young children and others he loves would be better off without him to be dead, to collect the insurance money. He contemplates suicide, but the prayers of his loved ones result in a, in a gentle angel named Clarence. Say, yay, Clarence, coming to earth to help George with the promise of earning his wings. He shows George what things would have been like if he had never been born in a nightmarish vision in which the Potter-controlled town is sunk into deep poverty and sin. Those George loves are either dead, ruined, or miserable. He realizes that he has touched many people in a positive way and that his life has truly been a wonderful one. And the scene at the end of the movie ends with the town coming together, showing their grateful hearts to George for all he's done for them. Just go, yay for George, yay, George. So you see in this story, you see this, this mind trap, this, this, this lie that George begins to form in his head saying, I wish my life would have gone this way, but I chose to stay home. I chose to do the right thing. I chose to take care of other people. I could have done this. I could have done that. Or all of the sacrifice that I've given, it doesn't amount to anything. Nobody even cares. Do you know what? All of us go through these moments in our life. All of us have these times in our lives where these lies can get into our head trying to tell you you have no purpose and you have no value and those lies can begin to get out of control. You know, questions like, does my life really matter? Have I wasted my life? What could my life have been like? I won't make you raise your hand, but my guess would be that a lot of us have had those questions come through our heads at some time. My pastor growing up used to say, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. These thoughts come, but it's very important that we let them come to pass, not come to stay. <laughs> let them go in one ear and right out the other, amen? You know, you, you find some individuals, you might say this is where the midlife crisis comes in. They get to a point in their life and they become dissatisfied. And that, normally that dissatisfaction comes from this sense of, I haven't amounted to anything. My life doesn't have any purpose. My life hasn't been what it could have been. And we begin to leaving, believing a lie that some other version of your life or something that you didn't get to do or something you sacrificed wasn't worth it. And the enemy begins to talk to you. I actually look at that like a, a demonized mind trap. When you let those thoughts keep speaking to you, does my life really matter? Have I wasted my life? What what could my life have been? I don't know if you've ever watched the Animal Planet. Have you ever seen like a crocodile like eat something in the water? He comes up, he latches onto something, and then he begins to like roll it. 
right? And then he takes it down into the deep. And I believe sometimes those lies in our head, does my life matter? Have I done anything worth anything? Does anyone even care about my existence? Maybe I should have lived another way. Maybe I should have made other choices. You know, maybe I should have gone left instead of gone right back when I was in college. Maybe I should have, woulda, shoulda, coulda. And it's like that crocodile that latches on and those, those, those mind games begin to take you into a demonized death role. As you roll those meaningless questions around, and instead of casting down imaginations like the Bible tells us to do, taking those thoughts captive, making those things obedient to Christ, we let those things fester in our head. And like that crocodile, those mindsets begin to cause you to spin. And your emotions begin to spin out of control. And then you begin to make poor decisions. You begin to believe lies. Are you understanding? Sometimes you think believing a lie is just what's going to cause you to go do something sinful over here. But believing a lie can also reduce who you are because it's not just about some like external sin. Believing a lie is one of the ways the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. It's not always about the action of sin. It's, it's also the enemy coming in to spin you to make you quit doing what you've been called to do and make you ask questions where there wasn't a question until he started putting a question there and then all of a sudden this death roll begins to set in and you begin to flow down this path of destruction. See, all those questions, those things like, does my life matter? Have I wasted my life? What could I have been like? All of those things are focusing on, on, on words that are accusation-based, like you should have done more, you could have been this, or you could have been that, or a shame. Do you feel the shame in some of that language? Did I waste my life? Does my life even matter? There's like this whisper of shame in the back of it, or even fear, fear that you've missed out, fear that you've done it wrong, fear that, that you're not enough. There's all this emotion on the inside. There's even some selfishness in there. Like, what if I didn't live my life for holiness? What if I would have gone and partied with my college buddies? Or what if I would have not chosen to, you know, serve God without my life? What if I would have gone and lived the way of the world? The devil loves to tempt you out in that way of the world, making you think that even your godly choices haven't been worth it. That's a lie. But all of us can have those moments. All of us can have those thoughts pass through our heads. So let's take some of those questions. Does my life really matter? And again, rather than letting it spin in your head, maybe you're sitting there isolated at home, rather than letting that happen, does my life matter? Does my life matter? Like, let's think about that for a minute. Who are you asking that to? When you let that phrase roll over in your head, does my life matter? Who are you asking that to? Are you asking others to tell you your life matters because sometimes they're not the best people to ask on their opinion they're not experts in whether or not because they don't even know if their life matters are you understanding this are you asking the world the general world does my life matter we know we're not asking the devil because the devil's never going to tell you you know who you should ask that question to god and what do you think God would say to you? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? 
He's appointed you to be in here. He formed you in your mother's womb. But you see, when we're just asking the question, does my life matter? I'm in my midlife right now, and, or I'm later in life, and does my life matter? Did my life matter? Let me just warn you, don't ask the world, don't ask others, don't even ask yourself, because I wouldn't believe yourself right now. Only ask God, the one who appointed you to be here for such a time as this, and let him speak to you about that question. Don't go seeking it in other places. Make me feel like I matter. Going to another woman, going to another man, going to another person. Come on now, people do this stuff. They feel, un- they feel like they've missed out. They feel, they start believing a lie that they haven't lived the fun way or they haven't lived the fulfillment way. So they go to someone or something else rather than going to God for the truth. Amen. Rather than asking the question, does my life matter? Maybe a better question, write this down, would be how can I make my life matter today? It's a better question, because the enemy can always put questions in your head, but what if you started with a different question saying, look, maybe I don't, maybe I, I have been feeling a little bit like my life hasn't been impactful recently. So rather than sitting there in that death roll of I'm not good enough, shame, accusation, Ask a better question. Wake up in the morning and say, God, I've been feeling a bit like my life hasn't been mattering lately. I'm coming to you to tell me whether or not I matter. But God, I'm also going to ask you, give me eyes to see, ears to hear of ways to help my life matter today. What can I do today that matters today? Rather than living in mind games, rather than living in the, in the, in the conversation in my head, God, I ask you today, what can I do today that does matter for your kingdom, that does matter to make the world a better place? How can I make my life matter today? Or that question that says, have I wasted my life? You know, people sit there and they drink their troubles away in questions like that. Oh, I've wasted my life. Have I wasted my life? And that's paralyzing. And they get involved in all kinds of things that are unhealthy for them because they look back with regret and all this stuff. Look, let's pause that. Let's not let the enemy sit there and keep whispering that sentence into your head or you sit there and keep repeating it to yourself. Have I wasted my life? Again, go to God. God, how can I, here's a better question, how can I invest my life in the rest of the years that I have? Amen? How can I invest my life? You see, the truth is, those questions are kind of pointless in, in one aspect. Have I wasted my life or, 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 or something about the past? You can't do anything about the past even if you did waste your life. <laughs> Come on now. Can we just have an honest conversation about this? Sitting there beating yourself up, sitting there accusing yourself, you sound like the devil in your head, the accuser of the brethren. You're helping his job be really easy right now. But sitting there grieving over what coulda, shoulda, woulda, even if there were things you're not proud of or happy back there. The thing is, nothing you can do right now can change the past. You can't start over, but you can start anew. Come on now. You can't start over, but you can start anew. And so even if that is true, and even if there is some stuff in your past, remember, God can even take that stuff and make something good out of it. He can bring some beauty out of those ashes. Amen? I mean, look at the Apostle Paul's life. When he was murdering and arresting Christians, 
I mean, that's a past that he would like to forget as well, but God turned him into an apostle of grace. God took something that looked so miserable and he took and he made something so beautiful out of it. But sitting there, regretting the past, mourning over the past, accusing yourself about the past, I wish I would have, I wish I could have, have I been, was I not enough, none of that is going to move you forward. It's only going to keep you stuck or worse, it's going to cause you to drift away. Amen? That's what was happening with, with George Bailey in the movie. He was sitting there with all these tormenting questions that he had no one to talk to it about, all these emotions about his life, no one to talk to it about. And so then Clarence the angel comes in and helps him to see how he has been needed and valued and what he's been able to accomplish. There's a scripture I want to bring to your attention in the book of Titus. Write it down. Titus chapter 1, verse 15. Titus chapter 1 verse 15. I want, you to, I want to talk to you about your life right now. The Bible tells us here in Titus, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their mind and their consciences are corrupted. What I want us to see in this verse, to the pure, all things are pure. To the pure, all things are pure. When your mind is in the right place, when, you're, when, you're, when your soul is in the right place, you can begin to see the good around you. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the corrupted, everything's corrupted. That's what I'm trying to help you see this morning, is if we're not careful, that death roll, if, you're, if you don't take captive those thoughts, if you don't begin to speak the truth there and get God's perspective, no matter what happens around you, you won't be able to enjoy the good that's going on around you. You won't be able to see the impact that you are having and the positive blessings that are in your life because you're in the death row. Do you see that? Like even during this holiday season, if you've been sitting there mourning and grieving and, and letting accusing conversation go on in your head and shame and guilt drive you, then you've missed all the joyful little giggles and smiles in those Christmas parties from the little kids having fun. When people are trying to sing Christmas carols, you're sitting in the couch, sitting there depressed over how your life has been when there's something beautiful going on right in front of you right now. Go join the Christmas singing. Go drink some eggnog, which is delicious. You see, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those that are corrupt, everything's corrupt. It's like wherever your mindset is set, everything's interpreted through there. You can't see the good around you. You can't see the wonderful life around you until we break this death roll. Come on now. Until we break this spin and we, we start understanding the, wait a minute, wait a minute, maybe I've been, been believing a lie. Maybe this depression I'm walking around, I'm waiting for, for my life to, to have meaning. Maybe my life already has meaning. Maybe my life already has impact. Maybe there are some good things. Maybe my life is already wonderful. Everybody wants someone else's life, but if you haven't learned to enjoy the life you have, if you had theirs, you'd miss it there too. You see what I'm saying? It's about to the pure, all things are pure. It's about a mindset beginning. It's about how you see things. And if you can't see the good in the world around you now, nothing that changes in your life world will be good until you change the way you see things. Amen. Are you seeing this? See, George was missing the wonderful life. 
He was missing the love of his family. He was missing the love of his wife. He was missing the love of his kids. He was missing that he had been a blessing to so many people. All he could see was what wasn't working in his own head, where he was a failure, where he wasn't good enough, where he didn't have impact. That's the, that's the story this morning that I'm trying to free you from is what if right now you're believing some lies about your life and you think another spouse would make you better or happier or you think another job even would make you happier or another church or moving to this town or to that town or, and people are running trying to find, but it may be right in front of you and you're just not seeing it. Maybe it's about God giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. Do you receive this this morning? See, the, the most... The most dangerous thing about deception is it's so deceiving. Do you understand that? A person who's deceived doesn't know they're deceived. And so you believe a lie. A lie that there's nothing good in your life. A lie that there's no love in your home. A lie that there's nothing worth living for. A lie that says you aren't impactful or your life doesn't have any purpose or you don't have any meaning. And all of that isn't true. And you can feel it, that it, you believe to the core of your being that you are meaningless and that you have no value and that there's nothing good around you. And you, you react out of that, but it's a lie. You can believe it, and you can even feel it, but your feelings can lie. Your feelings can lie. That's why I said, who are you asking these questions to? If you ask yourself, your emotions are going to say something to you because of the way you feel right now. Do not believe yourself when you're in the middle of a, of a depressed state. You're your worst counselor sometimes. Come on now. You have to go to God. You have to go back to God. Thank you, Pastor Kevin. I know, right? That was really good. I know. I don't know where this guy gets this stuff, but man, this is really good. I know. This, what I just said is a very familiar phrase throughout the Bible, those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Please write that in your notes. That is such a biblical phrase. Jesus said it all the time. Those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. The key thought there is that, is that not everyone is seeing what is right there in front of them. And not everyone is hearing what is actually being said. Can we just understand that capacity that there is stuff going on around you that you're not seeing right now? Jesus is teaching the word of life. Jesus is teaching the kingdom of God and people are just not seeing it. He's giving them truth. He's speaking life. He's giving them the, the bread of heaven, praise God, and they're missing it. God, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Help me to see what I'm not seeing. Now let's put it in context of what we're talking about. God, help me to see the value of my life that I haven't been seeing. Help me see the impact of my life, the worth of my life that I haven't been seeing. You might be 60 years old, 70, 80, 90 years old, and the devil's come in saying, oh, you used to have value when you were in your 40s, or your 50s, but now, no, my friend, that's a lie. You still have value. You still have purpose. You still have impact. And so start asking God, give me eyes to see 
where my value, how I can add value in this season of my life. Because if I'm still here, I'm adding value. If I'm still here, I'm still making the devil pay and mad that my feet are hitting the floor. Every morning, I make hell tremble that I woke up again. And I'll keep waking up. Because I have a meaning, I have purpose on this planet. Come on now. God, help me to see what I'm missing. It is so possible that there's good things all around you that you're not seeing. And there's good things and truth around you that you're not hearing. Give me eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. You know, in in some ways, we just have to realize that we've been kind of conditioned to see what's wrong in our life or in the world around us. Can we just be honest about that? Even when we were little kids, when the, the commercials would tell us how unhappy we were until we had something else right? Like, how could you be happy with your bike? Your bike only has four speeds. These bikes have 2,000. You cannot be happy until you have a 2,000 speed Schwinn. We're trained to see what's wrong. We're conditioned. Even at school, you, you get eight questions right, two wrong. We focus on, oh, you got these two wrong. Rather than, yay, I got these eight right. Now, I get it. We got to grow and we want to get 100%. I get that. But do you understand that we do kind of have a natural tendency to see what's wrong in the world and what's wrong in our life and what's wrong in our church or what's wrong in the city or what's wrong around us? And if we're not careful, we can literally live with wrong lenses on where everything is wrong all the time. And you can never be happy and you can never see the wonderful life that's right in front of you because we have a habit of seeing all that's wrong. And, we, and in our mind, for some reason, we can't be happy until everything is right. Until all your ducks are in a row. Well, I don't know about you, but my ducks are never all in a row. There's always one little duck that's nuts and he's out there and another one that's out there. If I have one or two little ducklings in a row, then I need to say, thank Jesus. There's something to celebrate. I'll get to the other two ducks in a moment. But when will you let yourself have a wonderful life? When will you let yourself celebrate and enjoy the life that God has given you, the purpose, the impact, the value? When will you wake up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Are you waiting until the world is sorted out? That's not going to happen on this side of eternity. You understand what I'm saying? You can't let your happiness and your vision of a wonderful life be contingent on everyone working out their issues. There are good things happening even in the midst of bad things happening. Come on, someone, do you see this? This is a matter of perspective. To the pure, all things are pure. To the corrupt, all things are corrupt. If you've been trained to see the bad, the negative, you'll never celebrate and enjoy the positive, and you'll never have the faith and energy to keep going because you're living on fumes because in your mind, nothing good is ever happening, and that isn't true. Amen. I mean, we can get so conditioned to find the bad and how our life isn't working out and what's wrong that even when the phone rings, you're scared to answer it because you think, man, what's going to, what bad thing is about to, come on now, 
what shoe is going to drop this time? I mean, answer the phone. For all you know, someone's like, you just won $10 million. And we never expect that, right? The phone's ringing, and you're like, ah. Oh. But what about, like, this is, what if I pick up the phone and someone's like, we're making you CEO of a major corporation, and you're like, I don't even have qualifications, but awesome! <laughs> but you understand, it's like, we're conditioned that, so, what, what's the next bad thing that's going to happen? What's the next bad thing that's going to happen when I pick up that phone? What about having expectations that, what if this is the miracle you've been waiting for? What if this is the callback you've been waiting for? What if this is the favor of God that's gone before you and God's been, God's made all these promises to you. Why aren't we expecting the promises in the morning? Why are we always expecting the day to get worse rather than, man, this day's going to get better? Come on. That's what I said earlier, you know, we talk about, you know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, Right? I believe one of the ways the enemy steals, kills, and destroys our life is by, is by this spirit of dissatisfaction, this spirit of criticalness, that you can't be happy and you can't enjoy life when you're walking in a critical spirit, or you're walking with a dissatisfied sense of nothing makes me happy, or I have no purpose, I have no value. These are also ways the devil steals from us. That's what I'm trying to help us see. Sometimes we put the category of sin or how the devil tempts people that he just tempts them to make some major big sins, fornication, adultery, murder, you know, drunkenness, whatever you might think big sins really are. But you understand, for those of us in the body of Christ that have kind of worked out some of that stuff, hopefully you're not, you're not, you're not on the verge of a big sin every day. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But the devil still comes into your life to steal, kill, and destroy what it could be because he puts dissatisfaction in your heart. Because he puts this critical spirit in your heart. See, these are Christian sins that we live with. You understand what I'm saying? Because they don't look like the big sins, but they're still stealing, killing, and destroying your life. They're, they're stealing the joy you could have had during this holiday season. They're stealing the fulfillment that you could be having because your life is meaningful, is impactful, but you can't celebrate the good because you can only see all the things that you're not because you're conditioned. Are you understanding me this morning? He's still stealing, killing, and destroying you without using the big sins, if there are such things. Do you understand? Any sin is sin. <laughs> Amen. I asked the question, why does Satan use these mind games, like not being satisfied, never good enough, all that stuff? And then it dawned on me that this was also the same mind games the devil fell with. He wasn't satisfied being the anointed cherub. Come on now. He wanted the throne that wasn't his to have. The devil is literally in the presence of God. And rather than seeing the wonderful created life he had, he was dissatisfied with what was in front of him in his life. And he was wanting to reach into a life that didn't belong to him. Come on. He was wanting to reach into a destiny that didn't belong to him. He wanted someone else's life. That's God's throne, devil. It's not for you. But you know how many times that happens with us? You have a wonderful life. You have impact. You have value. You have purpose right where you are. And yet you're wishing you had someone else's life. Come 
on, man. That's the same mindset the devil had and got him kicked out of heaven. It wasn't that the devil wasn't in a wonderful life. It was that he couldn't see it and he wanted a different one. What if you're in the middle of a wonderful life and you're wishing your own life away and you were wishing you had someone else's life? We've all been there. Come on, now, I'm not accusing you. I've wished I, I had some other people's lives sometimes. Before I lived in Florida and we lived in Illinois, I wish I had your life all the time. Every January through about June. And now there's people wishing they had my life probably, you know. But here's the point. You see what I'm saying? Like we, we all get there, but we've got to learn how to start seeing the wonderful life that we have right in front of us. Amen? I mean, think about it. Even in the Garden of Eden, the devil did the same thing in the Garden of Eden. Even before there was pain and trouble in the Garden of Eden, mankind was tempted with a life beyond what God had promised them. Adam and Eve are in the middle of the Garden of Eden, but they didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear. Can you see a theme? They are in the middle of paradise. And yet the devil says, what if you had this life? Aren't you dissatisfied with what you have right now? You, you should want this life over here. And the devil begins to whisper and twist that thing and that death roll in their head of being dissatisfied, not feeling like this is, there's anything good here, this life is no longer wonderful, I want that life, rather than being blessed with what's right here. I found something out in, in life. Write this down, please. This is a truth about life. You often find what you're looking for. You often find what you're looking for. It goes back to that critical thing that you could be living right in the middle of a wonderful life right now. And if you have eyes that only see problems, guess what you're gonna see? Problems. I have this little camera. Um, so think about photography. My kids, I was telling my kids one time, I was like, this is a camera. Because they only know cell phones, you know what I mean? And this is a digital camera, but do y'all remember cameras that had actual things called film? We were watching a movie the other day and I said, Maria, look at that. I think it was Home Alone. And behind the counter was a Kodak display and there were these little yellow boxes. You remember those little yellow boxes, anybody? Put your hand up, remember your little yellow boxes. Our children will never know little yellow boxes. These are called cameras, that was called film, and we would take these things called photographs. But I, 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 I was thinking about photography one time, and I realized this whole idea of focusing and seeing beauty in things that other people miss. If you go through some photography, you know, coffee table books or, you know, just different things where people have put some beautiful photography, it's amazing. They can be in the middle of a crazy, loud, dirty city, right? I mean, they could be in the middle of LA, New York, any big city, Hong Kong, Shanghai, whatever. And then all of a sudden you see this picture and they capture some little flower growing in the middle of like a concrete jungle and taxis and smog and violence and graffiti and all this stuff. And they have a way of like taking that moment and capturing and focusing in on the beauty that's there. And then you open it up and you're like, wow, that's, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful photograph. 
But what did they do? Thousands, millions of people walked by that same shot. They were too busy. They were caught up in hustle and bustle. They were part of the noise or whatever. And they missed the beauty that was right there. But a photographer has trained themselves to find the beauty in the mess. They've trained themselves to find the thing worth seeing, the things that other people are missing. It's there, but they've trained themselves to see it. Where other people, they just walk by and and people can even easily say, oh, there's nothing beautiful in this city or this city's just dirty or whatever, but they find the beauty in it. Or you can even go out in the desert and you see some people, they take photos of the desert and you're like, man, that's gorgeous. They find a little oasis, they find a little bit of water, a little bit of life in that desert, and they capture it. And yet, there's desert all around, but they found the life, and they began to celebrate it, and they captured it. The Lord talked to me one time, and he said, Kevin, how do you transform a desert? When God asks you questions like that, he's not, he doesn't think you have the answer. Do you see what I'm saying? He's not asking you because he doesn't know the answer. He's not saying, Kevin, I'm really curious, and could you help me out on this? No, when God's asking you a question, he's expecting you to be quiet and ask him for the answer. Come on. So God says, Kevin, because that's my name, Kevin, um, how do you transform a desert? The only response you can have when God speaks to you like that is, you know, Lord. And this is what he said. He said, you find the signs of life and you water it. You find the signs of life and you water it. See, because if you have a little bit of life in that desert, a little bit of grass, a little bit of green, a little bit of life, and you put some water on it and you take good care of that life, at some point, maybe years ahead, it'll begin to grow and grow and it'll begin to transform the desert. If you focus on the sand, you'll lose the life if you don't take care of the life. You see what I'm saying? If you focus on the sand or what isn't there, what isn't happening, come on then you'll miss the ability to transform that desert. And that's what I'm trying to help us see this morning. There are signs of life throughout all of our lives right now. There are good things going on in your life, even in 2020, even in the loss of things, even in the chaos of things, even in the, even in the disappointment of some things. Can you ask God, give you eyes to see, give you ears to hear, help me find the beauty of this last season. Help me find the wonderful in my life right now because it's there. It is there. If you're a child of God, there is wonderful somewhere in your life. Come on. And how do you transform the rest of your life? Then you begin focusing on what God is doing. You begin celebrating on what God is doing. Stop focusing on what hasn't happened this year. Stop focusing on what you regret. Stop focusing on what you don't know and start focusing on who you do know. Come on, you know the Lord, you know Jesus, you know the Holy Spirit. Start focusing on the life around you. God, give me eyes to see, give me ears to hear. Amen. Like those photographers, I don't, you could be in the biggest mess, but there's something beautiful in there. If you just have eyes to see it. If you just have eyes to see it, amen? I wrote down kind of a list to kind of share with you of things just to help start training us. Maybe you make a list. We can all miss the good right in front of our lives. And so I started making a list one day when I was just feeling that spin, that roll, you know, mentally. 
and I started thanking God for good things in my life. First one, ready? You want to hear what my list is? Sure you do, because I'm going to tell it to you. First one. Gravity. If you don't think you have anything to be grateful for, let's start with gravity. Come on. God, I'm thankful I don't float off into the abyss. I appreciate gravity. Yep. I'm grateful that I'm alive. I'm still breathing. Come on. Sometimes you got to start somewhere to turn the death roll, right? That critical spirit, nothing good's happening. My life isn't wonderful. I don't have impact. I'm not valuable. My life's worthless. Come on, stop it. You take that thought captive, and you don't fight thoughts with thoughts. You fight thoughts with words. The word of the Lord, the word of God over your life. And the devil starts telling you, you have nothing to be grateful for. Nothing good is happening in your life. You say, oh yeah, I've got gravity. (laughs) I'll start with gravity. And I'm still alive, which means I'm still going to cause you trouble, devil. I'm still alive. How about something else? I'm forgiven, and I am in right standing with God. So again, you can train yourself to see all the things that isn't happening, that aren't happening, but what about all the things that have happened? Come on. I am forgiven and right standing with God. How about this? I am filled with and have access to the Holy Spirit of God. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. You want to tell me I have nothing to be grateful for? Nothing in my life is wonderful? I am filled with the Holy Spirit. That is wonderful. And he doesn't leave me and come every once in a while. He resides in me. In the middle of my life, in the middle of my mess, in the middle of my whatever, I am not alone. That brings me hope. That brings me a sense of faith and hopefulness for tomorrow. There are people that love me and there are people that I get to give love to. Start thinking about those things. Train, retrain the way you see the world. Retrain the way you see your life. Here's another one. I have some skills or talents that I can share with other people. Now I know there's certain things I don't have skill in. Like you don't want me to fix anything (laughs) in your house. But I have other skills and talents that I can share. There may be some things you don't have, but guess what? There are things you do have. You do have gifts and you do have talents. And you can share them and give them to other people. How about this one? We live in the United States. I'm grateful. I am grateful that we, that I get to raise my family in the United States of America. Something else I began to, in my list, I said, I've learned some things, so I'm not as ignorant as I used to be. (laughs) I like that. I am not where I once was. I have learned some things. You know, something else that maybe you may not realize, because you can look at America even and you say, man, there's all these negative things. There's, There's social issues that are going on. That's very genuine. There are a lot of social issues that are going on. There's political unrest. There's social unrest. There's economic things. You've got this pandemic thing going on. But I'd like you to to also see some of the positive things that are happening in the United States as well. There are people coming to know Jesus every single week in the United States. Matter of fact, if you go through world missions, you're going to see that the world, there's mass moves of God all over the world. And we're seeing a, a massive influx of people into the kingdom of God in prisons, in Islamic nations. I mean, the things that are happening, if you, you can Google the world and, and Google positive or good 
like charities that are going on out there, sometimes it's overwhelming to see charities that exist because we don't look for the good. You only hear the headline news, which headline news is they don't make money on the good things that are happening. Like you open the newspaper, it's never, everyone got a million dollars and the world loves each other. It's always what's wrong with the world. What I'm saying is you can Google things like good local charities. When we moved to Florida, we found so many charities, so many donation-based, you know, community-driven things where like Isaiah, our son, the little guy in our wheelchair, in his wheelchair, he was able to play buddy ball, which was like this little, this little baseball um, diamond that was built by the community. And it looked beautiful. And when they went out there, they had Cubs jerseys on and they had all these community workers that were from colleges and volunteers that were there. And they celebrated and made these kids feel like they were in the major leagues. And it was totally paid for by local businesses and local people. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Like, what about hearing good things that are going on in our city or in our world that people are sacrificing to do good things? But we're so conditioned to only hear the bad and and human beings are doing all this bad stuff. I'm telling you, if you look for it, there's a lot of human beings doing a lot of good things in the earth. And a lot of times it's driven by good godly people, Christian people. They have reading programs and feeding programs and special needs programs and all these things that are happening around us. And we can believe a lie that nothing good is happening in the United States or nothing good is happening in our city. I'm telling you, there's a lot of good things happening in this city. There's a lot of good things happening in this world. Amen. God's never gone away. God hasn't fallen asleep and the church hasn't stopped. They may not be getting the the headline news, but they're still plugging away, doing good things. But again, it's how we are trained. We're trained to see the bad. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.